Welcome to the Heart of Healing, the pandemic episodes. I'm your host, Tom Fold. In these episodes, we'll meet loving, talented people who, while coping with their own pandemic stress, are offering others understanding, compassion, love, and ways to relax and even heal under the weight of current conditions. Listen with an open heart to those who, in this time of crisis, are offering their hearts and talents to us all. And today I'm very pleased to have as our guest, Nicholas Scott, who is a music therapist and a Reiki practitioner. Welcome, Nicholas. Hello, thank you for having me, Tom. Well, I'm so glad that you're here. And I'm fascinated by, I said I would ask you about what a music therapist is, but I also wanna ask you, the name of your organization seems to be music slash soul. And so those, put those two together. What does a music therapist do and what is your music dash soul about? Awesome. Um, so to answer the first question, um, as a certified music therapist, uh, typically what I do is I use music purposely to support people in their lives in a variety of different needs. That could be cognition, academics, um, emotional needs, social needs, and it even goes as far into like medical motor functioning neurologic needs as well. And um, obviously we also work with people wanting to uh, support themselves more with music and helping with their mental health. And at the end of the day, it, the main definition is to use music purposely to support someone in their therapeutic goals. Tell me a little bit about how that might work. Let's say come, someone comes to you with a lot of uh, anxiety, which in today's world seems to be very present. How can music help, therapy help with that? Anxiety is uh, common actually um, <laughs> as a goal. Um, as a music therapist, I would first want to assess um, the level of anxiety for the individual. And then I would also want to assess what their relationship is to music. How, how do they use music every day? And pretty much use that as a way to coordinate a level of intervention for that person. And the way that would look could be through possibly music improvisation, where essentially we would just improvise music and see what comes of that. It's more intuitive. Um, another would be through using something called lyrical analysis. So let's say they brought some songs that they've been listening to recently. We would maybe look at the lyrics and the content and see the overall meaning and see if it applies to that person. Um, another would be composition. So that is where you create a song. Let's say we call it an anxiety song. And maybe there's qualities in that song, um, for instance, rhythm, that help make the person um, breathe or regulate a lot better. Because typically with anxiety, there's a physical response, right? There's a response where the body wants to constrict on itself. Oftentimes breathing is labored and oftentimes someone may not always remember. They may have memory um, 
things that happen where they'll blank out. So in that regard, maybe I would use a very sustained rhythm as a tool to help them regulate. And that's called rhythmic entrainment. It's when you use a specific rhythm to help someone's nervous system come into a point of stasis and calmness. Right, right. Now, do you yourself play an instrument? Yes, I do. Um, I play a variety of different instruments now, but before I started my training, um, we needed to have at least three. So for me, I specialized with voice, piano, and guitar. Right. And then I also play some trumpet here and there. And I just purchased a ukulele today, so I'm excited to learn that. <laughs> you can go Hawaiian on us? Maybe. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Well, just coming back a little bit to what you were saying in terms of the steady uh, beat, is that related in any way to like having a metronome to count the beat, to hold the beat? Yeah, very much so. So there's something in music therapy called the ISO principle. And it's interesting sound. Yeah. It's where you essentially want to isolate where the person's at initially. So if their breathing is very labored or it's very frantic, <laughs> you would meet them musically there with a fast pulse. And then eventually you would start to decrease the pulse to a more optimal place where the breathing could regulate and become a bit more. Um, not meditative, but slower to a place where the heartbeat will become less and more calm. Calm, more calm. Yeah. So, so how many, yeah. uh, not how many, yeah. but how much of your practice involves this kind of thing with people with something that needs it to be calmed down? Um, I guess specifically, let's say I'd probably use the ISO principle more with people who cognitively may not always be able to emote or communicate their emotional needs. Um, so sometimes people who have autism spectrum disorder. I was thinking um, about that. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, sometimes with autism spectrum disorder, um, there's, there comes a symptom where their bodies are become so agitated that they're no longer able to speak. So what happens is I would use the ISO principle there where I would maybe meet the person where they're at. And that would be based off of all the physical symptoms that they're presenting with. And then I would help bring them to a place where they can be calm again. Um, I guess another example would be in palliative care. Um, when someone is in a coma state um, or they're having difficulty breathing or their heart rate's really up, um, you would use it then as well. Well, that's fascinating. I did have a conversation in one of these shows with a woman who was a harpist and played in palliative care and played music for them and found it, you know, very helpful. 
I would yeah. imagine that music can help as you we're talking about calming and it can calm people who are mm-hmm. who are in palliative care and and it could be scary it could be anxious maybe. very much so and music therapy goes with many different populations um, and each population comes with their own need and in palliative care a lot of the need is comfort a lot of the it's resolving maybe unresolved issues so that the person can come to a place of peace. Or sometimes it's even helping family members who are undergoing that process of seeing someone pass away, um, comforting them or helping them connect with that person a bit more. Let me ask you a question because you said something, and I don't mean to pin you down, it's not my intention, but when you say it helped them resolve things that might not have been resolved, which I can understand, how do you think music does that? What happens? I mean, do you, you have any thoughts or memories or examples of something like that? Yeah. So music within the brain, the way it works is we all have our senses, right? We have the five different senses. And aside from the sense of smell, music is something that triggers memory very easily. So if you hear a song that let's say you heard when you were in your teenhood or in your childhood as an adult, hearing that music will instantly bring a flash of memory back. That is absolutely right. The minute you said it, I could think of a song that I want, that I did hear when I was a teenager and that I once heard recently in the last couple of years. And it just brought me all these memories. That's a fascinating factor. Yeah. So with that knowledge, um, you can, if it's a distressing memory, let's keeping it with the example of someone in palliative. Right. Sometimes there are traumas that the person may actually have come up for them. Um, Or there's issues that they didn't think they needed to resolve, but it comes up just because of maybe a song that was played in the session or because of what someone had said. Music can be a way to express the emotion that may be very difficult for that person to express verbally. And it also, there's a concept of distanced versus um, being close to the trauma. So music sometimes allows for a distanced approach where you're not fully touching that trauma, but and you're not going around it, but you're giving the person another option to deal with the trauma. Some space. Than, yeah, through the musical space rather than typical, not comparing which is better, but sometimes talk therapy is not always going to help that person resolve something. Sometimes it's more an experience that the person needs to have right. in order to resolve. Well, that brings out another thought to me is a music therapist trained, is a music therapist trained to deal with the issues if if the music you are playing for someone triggers off a rather emotional response, 
Mm -hmm. Are therapists like yourself trained to deal with that? Yes, um, we are. Um, <clears throat> the way a lot of it boils down to consent. A lot mm -hmm. of it boils down to your relationship with the person, the therapeutic relationship. If that alliance is strong, you can probably use different ex musical experiences to um, explore that emotion or to explore the things that come up for that person. And oftentimes just sitting with the person can be enough where you just sit with them and witness them have their moment. Um, well, that I agree with. That's tremendously important to be witnessed, to be heard, to be some, to be with someone, not to be alone when I'm having a feeling that that is difficult to deal with. That's very true. Now, you told me earlier that you also work, have worked, and maybe you still do, with children or young people in social service situations. What, what is that experience like? Well, thus far, it's still quite fresh with my business. Um, I think something that I have experienced is just that the relationship between myself and the client, when there's music present, I just find that it makes the alliance easy. It makes it a lot easier to relate to someone when right. you have that third party music. Um, well, it also might help, and I, you could be, you, I hope you're this talented, that you will be able to relate to a 14-year-old's music and someone who's 80 and their music. Yeah, well, that's, that's a big part of my job is to, if I don't understand someone's music or it's new to me, I, I blatantly say, oh, wow, I haven't heard that one before. Why don't we listen to it together? And then that gives me a chance to just listen and be present for that music, but then go home and learn it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I understand. I understand. Yeah. Well, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. And today, I know this is you know fairly new for you in, in terms of a business, but what, what's your, your client base made up of more, more men, women, young, old, a mixture? Uh, currently, it is predominantly children, actually, um, children and older adults, and children with different needs. Um, majority is more neurologic needs, so um, sometimes mobility is an issue due to their diagnosis, um, or sometimes they're nonverbal and the music is there to just help them express what they need, but also help maybe um, with developing motor skills that they'll need in the future. Right. Um, and that actually comes from an approach called neurologic music therapy. And neurologic music therapy is a bit different in that it's been a, an approach in music therapy that's been heavily researched and we take into consideration the nervous system and how it works and how the body works and we see how music can be applied to specific um, issues that may happen within the body 
Um, for instance, a population that I've had the pleasure of working with are older adults who have Parkinson's or pneumonia. Yes. And oftentimes um, what I'll do is I'll look at the neurologic handbook. <laughs> and essentially this book has a series of 20 standardized musical activities that have been researched to support someone with a particular neurologic issue. Fascinating. Yeah. So I'll go through, after assessment, I will go through that book and I'll see, at least for this population, and I'll see, okay, which activity is going to focus primarily on, let's say, um, movement. And then funny, you said the metronome earlier, um, people with neurologic conditions um, that impair movement, oftentimes what their body actually needs is a stable rhythm. Right. What that rhythm does is it almost um, provides their nervous system with that innate ability to regulate so that now their body can actually move and do other things. It doesn't have to focus so much on what's going on inside. Well, well that's fascinating. You know, what it makes me think of, and I may not, I'm not a musician, it may not be the same thing, but I do do meditation and guided meditation. And yeah. I do know that, that when people are tense and muscles are tight and you do a meditation and the muscles relax, the body, physical body relaxes. It sounds like it's somewhat akin to what you're talking about with the music therapy. Very much so. Um, and typically when you do guided meditations, oftentimes there will be music that'll accompany it. Right. And when you look at the quality of that music, it's usually calm, but there's typically a pulse that's very consistent. Right. And what that pulse does is it helps regulate your body so that you can come to a place of calm. Now, I don't know if there's an easy answer to this. Do we know how that happens in a body? Hmm. Do we have any sense of... Yeah. Um, well, I guess when you look at I keep referring to the nervous system. Right. Because um, we have the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. Right. And each one is alarmed at different times. One is alarmed to tell you when to flee, when to fight, when it's the... When, when the tiger's coming to get you, the saber-toothed tiger's coming after you. Exactly. It's the survival response. And then the other is to help calm you down. Um, what music does is essentially meets the person where they're at, wherever their nervous system is at, and it helps their nervous system switch to the parasympathetic where it's calming oh, down. down. Fascinating, fascinating. Now, because our whole body, our whole body is rhythm, hmm. right? When right. you have your heart, that's a rhythm. When you breathe, that's a rhythm. And oftentimes you may even find that if you're listening to fast-paced music, your heart rate will start to go faster. Right. And it's because we know now that 
our body intuitively entrains to a rhythm because when we were in the womb, our heart would entrain to the mother. Yes. Right? Her heartbeat made ours. So there's a distinct connection between um, our bodies just needing a sense of pulse. <laughs> get, get back. Not go back in the womb, but, but remember through the beat what it was like, the calmness of it. Yes, the sec security of being safe, safe in the womb. Exactly. Now, I've often heard that for people with um, difficulty in seniors, you know, whether it's remembering or you know, some degree, I don't want to call it Alzheimer's, but some form of this area, that music can help. What, have you ever worked in that field? And what, what is your experience of it? Yeah, so during my internship and also outside of it, um, one of my first jobs was working at a, a senior care home. And I also had the privilege and honor of um, witnessing my grandmother go through Alzheimer's. And oftentimes what I do is I try to see what music First, I take into account what the culture is. And then I also take into account what music was around when they were younger. Right. And those are the songs that you want to use because typically those songs will trigger memory. And despite having Alzheimer's, someone can be in a state where they're no longer verbal and you know, the body starts to deteriorate. But music still has that beautiful impact. I've seen it time and time and again, where I'll play a song and all of a sudden, either the facial feature starts changing, there's a smile. Um, sometimes it even goes as far as someone starting to sing along with me word for word, because mm. they're, the music is starting to promote that um, memory recognition must it must be that that when we hear music that we like i'm just guessing at this point that it really goes in deep into our brains and our memory because it's, it's really clear to me as you talk about it and as i think about music that i experienced particularly when i was growing up and being teenagers i suspect <laughs> but but also a little later um that those those songs are very powerful in my mind I think they're powerful because your brain was still developing. Oh, yes. Good idea. Your brain wasn't fully developed, right? It takes... According, according it to my takes, parents, it wasn't developed at all, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of the time, it takes the average human brain 25 years to fully develop into right. what it is. And in that time, um, because everything's so fresh in the brain, everything's regenerating all the time, every day, um, new fresh music that has an impact on us will stick because of that. Right. And I think more research would need to be done as to where it sticks. <laughs> um, but I'm pretty sure where we hold memory, I think, that, that's our frontal lobe um that's still developing so because of that you're gonna have 
music that really sticks with you. But I, but, but I also wonder, as I listen to that and, and understand it, how is it, or does this explain to some degree why it's difficult to hear new music to actually, if I have like a 20 year old daughter and she's playing music, I know it's music, but it's just not feeling rhythmic to me. It's not feeling recognizable to me. And I wonder if that's, I've just taken up all my space with my old memories. <laughs> um, I've experienced that too. Um, I think sometimes we get very used to a certain type of music and right. that music will bring us a lot of pleasure. It releases all the dopamine in our brain. So we get that pleasure feeling. Um, and sometimes new music can cause us to have like a sense of cognitive dissonance where, oh, that's not what I, that's not what I, that's, I don't consider that music. That's just noise. Um, but it's actually a big uh, thing to do if you're wanting to acquire new music uh, is to simply just listen to it for what it is and try to put anything that the brain wants to throw at you when it comes to judgments. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> just put them aside for a second and, well, I'm, I'm, or even just focus on one aspect of the song that is appealing. Maybe it's the lyrics, maybe it's the rhythm, and, or maybe it's nothing at all, and that's fine too. <laughs> Um, we all have our eclectic. Um, well, it's also getting used have... to it. I, I'm hearing yeah. you're also getting used to it because there, when I first heard my first opera, I did not find it easy. I did not go, "Oh, this is beautiful." But after I listened to it a couple of times, I could get I could could get the the sense of joy or the sense of love that was in there, and then I was able to listen to it without yeah. this resistance. I think that's part of it is resistance. Yeah. So if you had yes. in a perfect in a perfect world, and you don't, we don't, none of us have a perfect world, but what would be your vision for your future? What would you like to be doing? Hmm. I, I think I'm doing it. Like, well, it's, <laughs> you know, like I. I have a lot of ambitions when it comes to different ways that music can help people. Um, and I find myself, you know, being very intuitive with my ideas. So for instance, one, I, one idea that came to me when I was undergoing my master's was uh, a music school bus project. So, I thought to myself, okay, sometimes there's a lack of services to rural areas or there are areas in a city that are not really accessible um, or people don't really get all the services that they require. Right. So this project, it's not running as of yet, but I would love it to. It would be where I would partner with social workers or outreach workers and we bus uh, with different instruments, with different um, resources, pamphlets, anything like that. And we would travel. We would pick different dates and travel to those places and offer essentially like 
a community space where people can come and just play music or listen to music and discuss. But also if they are lacking in resources or they're having a lot of difficulty, now they have someone that they could actually talk to who can connect them with more resources. Um, That's quite wonderful. And it is very clear to me, as you discuss it, there are populations that are not exposed. I mean, maybe they're exposed to via the social media, but they're not exposed as you would like to do it, where they could really absorb and learn about new, new things. I think it's a wonderful thing. We should hope that you can make that happen. That's great. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm glad you're, doing, glad you're thinking about that. Now, I got to tell you, we have been, I've been enjoying myself, and I hope people listening have too. And suddenly we're almost out of time. So before we end oh, here, wow. isn't it go for fast? It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> if someone who's listening to us has some questions like I keep having and keep asking you, and if they would like to get in touch with you, what's the best way for someone to reach out to you? Yeah, so they can reach out to me via email at um, musicsoul. All one word, music soul. Music soul, one word. Right. Dot connection right at gmail.com excellent music connection at gmail.com wonderful well nicholas I, I wish you the very best with what you're doing i'm so delighted to hear that it exists and that you're building upon it and that you're going to bring it out to the world thank you for doing that my pleasure thank you for having me i appreciate it well thank you for being here take a good have a good day now you too